Think of this show in this way. Rush Limbaugh and Howard Stern had a child, and that child grew up to have a podcast about building science. This is the opposite of that. Here's Bill Spohn. Welcome back to another episode of the Building HVAC Science Podcast, where it's our goal to create better, more knowledgeable HVAC and building performance technicians by helping the professions to better understand each other with the ultimate goal of making customers happy in the homes they live in and the buildings they work in. Happiness in buildings often comes from good air quality, as well as good comfort control. Today's podcast, we'll be talking about indoor air quality, using sensors, data, and technology for better IQ. Now, Ray Wu is founder of WIND. He joins us to stress the importance of optimal air quality by using modern, innovative technology. In fact, innovative, they developed their own UV laser-based particle sensor. But it's not just with technology alone. Wind uses the subsequent data to inform decisions for IQ, allowing consumers and building managers to realize healthier, cleaner buildings for people. Now, Ray backs up these claims with case studies. He's not afraid to engage. In particular, there's one he discusses that was run in a Las Vegas hotel. Check out the Wind products at the link in the show notes. And there's also an article describing some of the Wind products. You can also connect with Ray on LinkedIn. And there's a link for LinkedIn, of course, in the show notes. So let's get to listening to Ray Wu tell us about his background, the founding of Wind and the sensors and products that he makes. Building science, that's the bracketing phrase for building HVAC science. And I just came back from a building science symposium last week. And a lot of the discussion was around air quality. So I'm pleased today to have as my guest, Ray Wu, who is the founder, I say that with a question mark, (laughs) of Wind, Wind Company. Ray, kind of give us some background here on yourself and what is WIND? Sure. First of all, it's a pleasure to be on this podcast with you, Bill, and to talk about something that I think is becoming ever more important, especially with the pandemic that just happened. So brief background about myself and WIND. I am the founder. I'm the CEO, co-founder of WIND. I have a technology and a business background before starting WIND. Really quickly, I went to MIT, worked in engineering for a while, designing Everything from the earliest HDTV encoders to working at Bose, making high fidelity audio. And then I went to the business side where I worked in finance and we managed uh, at my previous company portfolio of technology companies, including Dell Computer and Alibaba, GoDaddy, et cetera. And about eight years ago, I wanted to do something that I felt was going to be very helpful for people's health. I have a number of my relatives who had suffered from poor air quality, partially from things like allergies but also from pollution. I was born in Beijing and air pollution is something that affects millions of people there. People couldn't go to school, couldn't go to work, planes couldn't land because of it. And I wanted to help people understand their air because oftentimes, unlike in Beijing, oftentimes it's a lot more subtle, like you don't know what's good or bad. And I wanted to help explain the air to them through technology and then use that that information to affect change through better recommendations, better alerts, better automation, and happy to chat about all the learnings that we've had through the past eight years in this journey. Yeah, I think that's very important because I think it reinforces that this is very much a passion of yours and you're doing it for others, which is really cool. I'm sure that seems like that's part of your company philosophy. So what are some of the discoveries that you've had? 
I think if you just look at the broader picture, indoor air quality affects everyone. We take 20,000 breaths a day. There are both short-term and long-term effects of having poor indoor air quality in your house, in your school, office, etc. The long-term issues have been well-documented. Air quality is the number four, number five cause of mortality in the planet from things like pollutants and whatnot. There's also longer-term effects on things like your heart, your lungs, if you're not in the best environment. In the short term, and I think this is something that really changed in the last two to three years for very, very obvious reasons, right? COVID, basically. Even if people perceive their air quality in general, when they look at the sky, the, the sky is blue, indoor air quality can be basically the number one vector for disease spread, having poor ventilation, having poor filtration processes in your home or in your commercial environment. I think the best studies that we have seen show that 70% of COVID transmission is caused by the air. So if you don't take the right steps to mitigate that, you can get sick. And not just with COVID, but with really any type of airborne disease. And I think the awareness that this very tragic pandemic has generated really has boosted the importance of HVAC, the importance of air handling, ventilation, filtration, and also what I talked about earlier, just understanding, monitoring. Is it good enough? How do you know? How do you automate that system? That's where we really come in as a technology and as a company. So you have several solutions. What categories of solutions do you have? You have actually products. So let's talk about those categories. So at a very high level, we sell air monitoring, air purification, and the software related to control everything. It started with monitoring though, because part of our thesis was you can't really improve what you can't measure. And with air, it's just so subtle, right? Like, how do you know whether a space is well ventilated? How do you know that there's certain pollutants? You don't. Our human senses are not able to detect these subtleties, but they do exist, these differences. We used our air monitors before in a study, just as a case study, in the hotel casinos in Las Vegas. And this was published maybe three or four months ago. What the study found was there is a drastic difference between the healthiest and unhealthiest hotel casinos on the Strip. And the difference is about 80 times in terms of the concentration of these tiny particles. Those tiny particles are generated by people, smoking, just people activity. But without a proper functioning, well-run HVAC system, complemented by other forms of remediation like purification, pollutants just aggregate. And it's not just those small particles from cigarettes. It's viruses, right? It's COVID. So if you're staying at the best hotel, and we publicly wanted to show that they should be rewarded for the fact that they do such a good job, the Aria, Park MGM, the Win. Staying there, it's actually healthier than outdoor air. And outdoor air is like pretty clean in Las Vegas. Staying at the worst hotel, which we did not intentionally, we did not publish the name of the hotel. We don't just want to shame them. It's 80 times worse. And it's actually four times worse than being in the center of New Delhi, India, which is one of the most top 10 polluted places on earth. It's four times more polluted than that. So not only are you going to get a bad night's stay, you're going to feel not well rested. You have probably an 80 times more increased risk of getting sick, bringing back COVID to your family. And this is the power of data. And I'll just take a pause. I know, I think you wanted to ask about something. Yeah, just kind of reacting to that. I get this condition. I talked to other people about, I call it hotel throat. Like I wake up in the morning and it's, I just feel clogged. And it's usually maybe lower budget hotels or ones that don't have like broad types of filtration in them. So that's more of like a subtle thing. 
I don't think that it like drags down my health, but it's just like you wake up like what hit me overnight, what happened overnight. So detection, you mentioned monitoring, purification, and software for pulling information out of the data that the monitors monitor. Are the monitors for large spaces, small spaces, individuals? How does that break up? Our monitors can be used for residential and for commercial buildings. We're in 50,000 homes. We're in about 20 million square feet of commercial real estate space from commercial office to hospitality to schools. This is what it looks like. It's the size of your smart thermostat. It's a circular device. But the point of our technology, we've been working on it for eight years, is we actually get down to the point of determining what's actually in the air. Rather than provide generalities, a generality would be it's dusty. There's a specific type of sensor that measures PM 2.5. That's what the US EPA uses, the United Nations uses that to measure quote unquote pollution. But that doesn't mean anything. It just means a particle matter with a diameter that less than two and a half microns. Nobody knows what that means. That could be dander, that could be pollen, that could be germs, right? That could be mold, the M word. We use machine learning to figure out and determine what is the issue you should care about. Not to unnecessarily alarm you. This is why software and purification matters because what we want to do is really get to proactively helping you, right? So that data is there to basically provide a closed loop solution. So that might turn on certain HVAC systems and including ERVs if it's ventilation. It turns on HEPA filtration for the HVAC community out there. And I know your audience has a lot of pros and technicians, like those people should get service calls on a proactive basis. Right now, a lot of that interaction is when the buyer of air determines that he or she has a need for it. And oftentimes, again, it goes back to subtlety, right? Like air is subtle. Like how do you know you have a need to upgrade to MERV 13 filters or to put an ERV or an HRV or to put air purification systems or bipolarization? Like how do you know that? People don't. They're kind of blind to it. And part of what we want to do is have an impact of making this engagement feel a lot more natural, a lot more proactive based on the facts on the ground. Like that hotel example, right? That I want to think the best in people, maybe the worst hotel on the strip yet to be, it's not named, but maybe they don't know. So I think we can catalyze a movement where people can make the right improvement based on facts on the ground. So you have a tremendous technology and technological background. Can you explain for my listeners what machine learning is? Essentially, our brain is a pattern machine, right? So when we see a similar type of signal, we're conditioned to recognize, oh, let's say that's a car or that's this person's face, right? Or maybe it's music even. Or music. Yeah. So it can be applied to many things. How we apply the machine learning or it's called pattern recognition to air quality is we specialize first in particles. So anything that's not described by a chemical formula, you know, piece of dust, right, is a particle. And traditionally, this industry, there's particle sensors everywhere, right? There's particle sensors in your air purifier that you buy from Best Buy. The government has these particle sensors that tell you the air quality index outside. There's all these stations. You can see it on Google Maps and Apple Maps. But they basically, even the $50,000 particle sensors will tell you just a very general data point. It's like PM 2.5, which doesn't tell you specifically, is it smog? Is it pollen? Is it dander? Is it mold? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What is the essence of the particle? What is the particle? Right, exactly. We call that speciation. Can you tell people what it is? And we thought without knowing the details, it's really hard to implement the right solution. Because if it's smog, that's from outside. Maybe you want to not ventilate at that time. If it's mold, you've got to 
call somebody. If it's somebody smoking a cigarette, we have a new monitor that's coming out that does property risk management for like rentals and hotels. That's an alert to the property manager. So anyway, where machine learning gets applied is it turns out that when you look at the data from these particle readings, we use UV lasers and it scatters some of these scientific methods for measuring what's the composition of something. So we look at that data and again, it's pattern matching, right? So the machine learning is used to pattern match. We've seen this before. We've seen this as equivalent to mold. We've seen this as equivalent to pollen or dander or something else. And the beauty of that, it's all on software. We can update it over there. We can add more sensors on the fly. It doesn't require a change out. Nobody has to go onto the premise to fix things. It recalibrates by itself using the same technique. So we basically enabled what we think is the future of smarter buildings around environmental measurement, at least. And no longer should buildings and homes only be measured based on temperature. That is very important because people need to be comfortable. But in this post-age of COVID, you've got to care about people's health. And it's a differentiator, too. Imagine that hotel that is the healthiest hotel because they take these precious steps, the school, the office building. They can attract more revenue, more tenants, higher pricing. That's where we see the future. So you said first a particle sensor. Are there other sensors present in the devices? We do surround it with other sensors. We don't make every type of sensor, but like, for example, CO2. CO2 is becoming more prevalent because it's a good proxy for ventilation. We don't make our own CO2 sensor. We buy that from other people. And it's important to surround our core technology with other types of measurements. And that provides better recommendations and alerts and automation for the whole system as well. Got it. How about temperature and humidity? Do you add those factors in? We measure that as well. Yeah. I mean, there are temperature sensors out there, but some of these readings on temperature and humidity inside of our own box, it helps with the calibration of the other sensors as well. It's a little bit redundant because we know there's sensors like that already in the built environment. But you'd like to know what's happening inside your device, I guess, or around your device. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So are all the sensors the same or do you have different levels? We have a flagship product. It's the one that I showed. It's called the Wind Halo. We use this for all of our projects and deployments. I would say the difference is between the call it an enterprise grade versus one that is more mass market is partially in the software. So with, with our big building deployments, we work with like Marriott Hotels, for example, they get software to fleet manage hundreds or thousands of these. They get a lot more dashboards. They get different kinds of recommendations because they're managing a whole building. In a person's house, they get a mobile app, which is something they're maybe more used to. They're managing maybe one or two of these devices at the time. So there's differences on the software side. The hardware is almost the same because we want everyone to have good measurements. So we're not like saying you get the pricier sensor and you get the not so nice sensor. Most of our technology is on the software side anyway, so that part's probably more of the difference. So the enterprise grade, I imagine, goes to some sort of dashboard, but the household one strictly goes to an app, or does it go to a dashboard at all? It goes to a mobile app on iOS and Android. And there's another constituent in this mix, right? It's not just us and the end customer. It's also the pro. And we love working with pros. We think, and all of us, I'm sure, I just moved into a new place you get a bunch of coupons, you get these flyers and coupons. And maybe a third of them are people who want to help me with my HVAC system. They want to do an assessment, they want to see if I want an upgrade. And just as an individual consumer, I think that market can be a lot more efficient. What I mean by that is, imagine the pro or the technician can be very consultative, right? Maybe they leave a monitor with the homeowner, with the building owner as a gift. And it's a managed service. Like I'm here, I'm your local person that works in this neighborhood. 
and I will help you monitor your house for all sorts of things that relate to your health and property risk of the air. And as there are any issues, do you mind if I proactively let you know and suggest the right recommendations? That feels so much more natural. And also it's proactive because you don't need to wait for the person to say, I have a problem because most of the time it's a little bit late or they might not even know, they won't even reach out. The whole home advisor, Angie's List sort of business model requires the buyer to actually know they have a need. And most of the time they have no idea, just like with the hotels, right? Like if we didn't publish the study, I feel like half of those hotels probably wouldn't be taking any action. Got it. And you also have a portable solution too. What's that? Yeah. So we sell purifiers as well. We have a big one that's more stationary and we have portable ones that you can carry with you. Our view on the remediation side is you just got to close the loop, right? So if you say there's a problem, ideally help me fix it automatically. The HVAC just runs, filters, and ventilates. And maybe with our purifiers, it automatically reacts as well. That's the intuitive thing. So we do make those and it's software driven, it's automated. But if you can't fix it because I have an infrastructure upgrade need, then that's where the pro comes in and helps me. Got it. Does the sensor talks to the purifier as well as talks to third-party equipment? Yeah, so it does both. We're all internet connected with our devices, transmits over Wi-Fi, and we're adding more enterprise ways like Zigbee and power over Ethernet in the future. So it's all made to work in harmony. So our devices will respond to each other. They can also be fleet managed. So you could be a hotel and have like hundreds of these in a building and manage it from one pane of glass. We also do integrations. So with API integrations, we have just connectors to other types of systems, including BMS. So for example, we work with Niagara to send data and also to potentially automate systems. Got it. You said there's this new product, the Sentry, that's coming out. Is that correct? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, we stumbled upon this accidentally as a market need. So basically, our devices, starting with just air quality sensing, we try to figure out what's in the air. Well, it turns out you can also figure out there's somebody smoking, that there are these like property risk issues. And we can predict whether somebody is smoking, vaping, or smoking marijuana at an accuracy of over 99%. The idea with that use case is if you can find out somebody's doing that immediately, within a minute, you can put a stop to it potentially before your Airbnb guest, the next guy comes in and gives you a one-star review and it gets too bad or the cleaning fees are insurmountable. Same thing with hotels or apartment buildings or student residences. Worst case, they continue to do it and it's caused a problem. Now, at least you have the evidence. We've been able to prove that we can help the property owner, the manager get their money back from insurance companies and even the platforms itself like Airbnb. So that's why we created this product. I think it's a slightly different use case. It's not really related to health. Obviously, smoking probably isn't the best for the people's health, but it's from the property owner's perspective, it's a risk management tool. And did I read correctly, it also detects noise? Yes. So it does two things, broadly speaking. So basically alerts the property owner if there's excessive noise or if somebody's smoking, both of which are no-nos in the rental industry. Yeah. I think that's the first Wi-Fi connected noise detection device I've ever heard of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Usually it's done as a survey type tool rather than monitoring. Yeah. yeah. And I just want to make clear on the noise side, our goal is obviously, and actually either of those cases, not to spy on people. We're not there to record what they're actually saying. It's just, all it does is it measures absolute noise. So based on decibels. And if over a sustained period of time, if it's too high, then we'll alert somebody because what happens in some of these cases is as the neighbors get mad, they call the cops, the city shuts down Airbnb. Nobody wants that. 
all kinds of negative consequences from that. Yep. Got it. When it comes to, you talked about using data to make informed decisions. Do you actually go as far as prescribing the decision? And it prescribes kind of a hard word, but you tell people what to do, like ventilate now or filter now. How does that work? So basically, there are three things that can be responded to with the data. So the data could either generate actionable recommendations, which would be like your prescriptions, right? It could say your CO2 levels are above 800 ppm, which is over the threshold that this EPA and the CDC and all these other places recommend that you stay under. That's a ventilation issue. So we recommend you open the window or you increase outside ventilation if that's even possible in your building or home system. Maybe if you have the wherewithal, maybe you need an ERV. It could be also the second category would be alert. So smoking, somebody smoking would be an alert. Or if there's excess amount of, let's call it organic odors and chemicals that we use a TVOC sensor, total volatile organic compound sensor, that might indicate a leak or something that you probably want to just check it out because there's a spike in something that's an odor or chemical. So that's an alert. The last thing, which is the best, I think, is just automation, right? So like there's an issue, but don't worry. We turned on the fan, we turned on the ventilation, we turned on the purification. Then you just close the loop. They didn't have to do anything. Got it. So you say you work with pros. How do pros acquire the equipment? So they can buy directly from us. We also have an enterprise program that we're, I think we just launched. Happy to send out more information. But basically with this halo, it could be used to generate business for the pros where they can essentially be the 24-7 managed service for homeowners and get alerted to any issues where they can be helpful. They can also take it with them to do assessments as well. And we provide auto-generated recommendations for them. So there's a couple of different ways to work with us at this time. And we're always looking for new ideas and ways to improve that offering. Very good. So did I get it correct? The UV laser scattering sensor, you actually make that? You developed it? We make that yeah, with ourselves. The official name is called a particulate matter analyzer, but it uses machine learning and a UV laser to do its work. But yeah, it's called the PM analyzer and the technology that does that speciation. We call that air ID. It's like a fingerprint of the air. So it's called just called air ID. Got it. How long did it take you to develop that? I mean, it's always undergoing improvements, but we started working on that in 2016. So I guess it's been six years of constant work on that. And it's in all of our products. It's something that we have a real differentiation around. Sure. And it sounds like you'd mentioned earlier that the hardware is about the same on various types of products so that people are equally getting good measurements. Yeah. The beauty is, and my co-founder worked at the company, was a senior person at this company that basically got sold to Honeywell and became the sensor division. Some of these sensors that are out there in the market today, they're call it lab grade, industrial grade, but they're so expensive. Those sensors are $10,000 and they just measure one thing. We use off-the-shelf hardware. We keep the cost pretty cheap. The differentiation is all in the secret sauce on the software, on the machine learning, and it gives it essentially the ability to do even more than those really expensive call it legacy pieces of hardware. Our goal with all that is to use that data to generate something actionable, not to just inundate the user with data. Most people don't want to just see data. We generate more useful data, but then we turn that into something actionable, recommendations, alerts, automation, things like that. Is there any charge for the data, any of the data services at any of the levels of product? Right now with the pros, we want to help them get business. And so we want to prove that out. We're not going to charge them for the data. I mean, if they can get business, then we hope it's a win-win. To the end customer, I'll say this. We do have a managed service around something like a century. It's $10 a month. 
for your property, basically. And what you're paying for is not a piece of hardware. You're paying for the service for property risk management. And for the commercial customers, we're not selling an air purifier. We're not selling them an air monitor. We're selling them indoor air quality as a managed service as well for health, right? So that their employees can be productive and not get sick. It's a peace of mind. We sell them to building owners so they can differentiate their property, just like with the Las Vegas example. Right, they can state to their customers that they have a clean bill of health. We sell them to schools so that teachers and parents and students can feel safe. So that's a recurring service that we sell. And there's a lot of software in there as well that comes with equipment. And the filtration devices must require filter replacement? Correct. Yeah. So we have true HEPA air purifiers that have a lot of carbon to absorb any type of gas. And then the filter itself will filter out the particles. Typically, how long do those last? About six months before replacement. And we'll alert people before they need to get a replacement. One other thing that I wanted to mention, and I think this is a major trend in the industry is around sustainability. If you look at overall HVAC as a percentage of energy spent in a building or in a home, it's what, 40% or more? Typically that number is thrown, yeah. Yeah. And if you just look at, let's say, commercial environments to start, there's a major trend, whether people believe it or not, there's a major trend, a lot of pressure for these properties to look at their carbon footprint and whether you call it ESG, sustainability, climate change, they're asked to even generate reports on how they're going to lower that. And if you look at the Pareto of like, where is all that energy being spent? HVAC is a big meaty chunk. And during the pandemic, even as buildings were lightly occupied, the stories that we've seen and also the data that we've seen is HVAC has actually not necessarily even gone down because people have been turning that knob on ventilation from 0% outside air to 100% in some cases. They've changed the filter out and the pressure drop is enormous now because it's a MERV-13 filter. That equation has swung to the opposite where they're obviously prioritizing health is a good thing, but people are spending a lot more on energy and the carbon is not reducing. The answer to that is really having more intelligence in the building. So you can do demand control, right? It's an obvious thing, but the way buildings have been designed forever with thermostats, and we work with a number of these HVAC companies call it, there's the sensors inside is a temperature sensor, maybe a humidity sensor, neither of which will tell you whether you should turn down the knob on ventilation or filtration. So I think with smarter buildings enabled by technologies that are now available, I think we can help them with optimizing between both because you want sustainability and you want health. Both are important now. It's interesting that the Sentry product, it seems like you spotted a gap in the market with technology that you could easily fill. Do you have some other gaps that you plan on filling that you'd like to talk about? At a high level, I think we want to keep people healthy and we want to keep the properties risk-free. And I think there's a ton of runway there to continue building better, more actionable sensors, but also the software and the recommendations, alerts, and automation that comes with it. We want to expand the pie and cater to more kinds of customers, the hotel customer versus the office versus the home versus the senior care facility. Those are slightly different. And so we're building software to cater to their needs. On the purification side and the HVAC side, I would say we're always looking at new ways that are actually effective to treat the air. There's been a lot of, in the last two years, a lot of dubious technologies that are put out there that claim to just destroy and kill viruses and all that. We are a lot more careful with that because the truth is, it's not that the technologies by themselves, like UVC on air and PCO doesn't work. It's that the way that it's being applied is not effective because in an air handling system, in an air purification system, the air is supposed to move really fast. And like, imagine you have this beam of light that's supposed to kill stuff. 
like the air is moving so fast that beam of light shines on it for such a small amount of time it just doesn't work and so we are looking at additional purification technologies but the existing stuff actually works pretty well hepa filters are great MERV filters are great ventilation obviously with dilution works pretty well as well so you don't have to necessarily have some crazy expensive system to have good air i mean look at in las vegas those three hotels they've been clean for years and they still are clean today it's just a matter of do they actually take the steps and do they know that with the measurement they can confirm that it worked so going back to something you said before the outdoor air condition if the outdoor air isn't fresh but there's a signal that you have say mildly polluted indoor air from indoor sources because your pattern recognition detects that do you somehow have some sensor that tells you it's not okay to bring in outdoor it's actually worse than the indoor air yeah so that's part of our automation system i'm in california we get these seasonal it's really bad we get these seasonal wildfires there's a recent one in near yosemite right and when the outdoor air is actually really bad you probably want to just recycle your air inside and that equation, that automation algorithm is something that we would do for people's homes and businesses. Or it's really, at this time of day, pollen's really high. Maybe you don't want to just bring in a bunch of pollen because people get allergies and they're not very productive at work anymore if they're suffering from that. So yeah, that's part of the algorithm. But what about the location of the sensor of the halo? Does it Can it be just inside and know that you've turned on ventilation and you've actually increased the particular count? Yeah. So most of our monitors are inside. They can be fitted for outside. You need a housing to make sure it's weatherproof or you have to put it underneath some type of ceiling. But outdoors, there's actually a lot of data already. Okay. That you reference. Yeah. Courtesy of the government, courtesy of some third parties. We can just tap into that to make inferences that help with automation. Okay. I think you covered all my questions. Any closing thoughts for our listeners? Thank you for doing this interview. I think we did touch on a lot of things. Maybe just one last thought. We think healthy air is a win-win for everyone. Obviously, the end user wins because they get healthier lives. They hopefully have more prosperous businesses, especially in a time when differentiating your business via healthy spaces is a good thing. The products and service providers win because there's a proactive thread to connect the buyer and seller of air now. If you're one of the places that need help, there's a story to tell now. Of what is the problem? How do we fix it? That's an invitation for a technician to come in and do something. Everyone wins. It's all based on authentic stories. Whereas before, I think it's in some ways, people are just blind to what they need and the sellers are blind to who needs it. So this is our vision in five years. People will actually be proactive about making their spaces healthy because they're armed with the right technologies. And the right data, make the informed decisions. Very good. One cool thing from your background I picked up from LinkedIn, you used to be quite a fencer. Is that correct? Yeah, I wouldn't say I was quite, I was a fencer. Okay. <laughs> I fenced for MIT, which is not known as a powerhouse sports school, but we were good at fencing and it was a division one sport. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I don't think I would have had that opportunity if I went to another school or a program. Cool. I mean, it's, you seem like you think fast on your feet and you probably move faster on your feet than I do. <laughs> Not anymore. I'm getting up there. Okay. Well, very good. Well, I want to thank you, Ray, for reaching out, make this connection and having you come on and speak to our listeners. And I will put some show notes together. What's the best way of getting in contact if they want to learn more? 
you can go to our website at hellowin.com, H-E-L-L-O-W-Y-N-D.com. Bill, I'd love to stay connected with you. Thank you again for the opportunity to talk with your audience. Love to see how we can engage with you and them even more. Very good. Thanks again, Ray. Great. Thanks, Bill. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Building HVAC Science Podcast. I also host the ResTalk Podcast, where you can learn more about the world of home energy ratings and actually water efficiency ratings and other peripheral topics. If you like what you heard today and you have not subscribed to the podcast, please consider doing so by typing Building HVAC Science into the search bar of one of your podcast apps or just a search engine. I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. And if you want to reach out and get in touch with me, you can reach me at bill at truetechtools.com. The Building HVAC Science Podcast is a production of True Tech Tools Limited. And until next time, take care. We hope to have you back again listening to the Building HVAC Science Podcast.